You know, these kinds of documents that you keep digging up about, this is kind of disturbing. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's February 7, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, Episode 172. This is No Agenda. Watching C-SPAN so you don't have to. And coming to you live from the minimum security containment cell, Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation, West San Francisco, California, in the morning. I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where there's not a cloud in the sky, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. And the morning to you, my friend. Same to you. In the morning. In the morning. Yes. Have you Twittered? Have you Tweetenheimered? No, of course not. You spend all that time getting ready. And then, uh, well, actually, I I need to do a couple things, too. So I couldn't get, you know, C-SPAN was boring this week. No, C-SPAN was awesome last night. I, last I, night, what yes, did they do? I sent you a text message, didn't you? You know what? Can I just say something? You've got onto this damn Google Voice crap, and so now I have like 18 numbers that are all Google <laughs> Voice numbers. And you know, it's like and you show up as John C. Dvorak on my phone. I'm like, I'm texting you, and you're not reading my text, so you don't get them, or you, you know, it's crazy. And then I get, hi, it's John. This is my Google voicemail. Who gives a crap if it's your Google voicemail? You're just giving me more useless information. You're getting messages? Yes. I got, you, you, you have a message. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, so I sent you... Sarah Palin was on C-SPAN last night with her keynote for the, uh, the tea party. Yeah, we got to talk about her. And I, and I sent you, and I sent you a message saying... I was busy working on the, on the mailing thing. <sighs> time to... Well, I watched enough stuff on C-SPAN, and I saw the Franken stuff and the other crap. So, well, I, I got the Franken stuff, but first of all, why don't we? Uh, did you send out the Twitter? No, let me send out the Twitter. Oh my God, what are you doing? I'm trying. I'm listening to you berate me, <laughs> and you deserve it. I, I can't believe. I mean, text messaging is supposed to be the ultimate communication. You know, guaranteed delivery. I got your message. Well, you got my message and you ignored it? No, I didn't realize it was from you. It came in from some really weird number. This is what Google Voice does. They assign a crazy number to me so so that you can't recognize who I am. It's dumb. Google Voice sucks balls. Okay. Anyway, so, uh, who is our uh, executive producer for this uh, fine program? We have program? A, a number of them for today. Oh, that's nice. We have our executive producer, our old buddy, who seems to uh, be on his way to knighthood, Stephen Pelsmachers. Wait, isn't he a knight already by now? No, he needs one more. Stephen Pelsmachers. He's $333.33. Who, by the way, does not... <laughs> I love the magic number, Stephen. He does not live in the Netherlands, by the way. He's a Belgian. Yes, he is. He says, this is part two of the knighthood layaway plan on behalf of my colleague, the separator. Ah! Okay, so we have to put uh, the separator in parens again, right? Yeah. Before. Please remember, it's the Belgians, the <laughs> bravest of Gallic warriors that carry the show. <laughs> For this episode, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Long live the Belgians. And uh, thank then, you, Stephen. Uh, That's it's highly appreciated as always. Yes. And he's a member of the. He's uh, he's, he's on his way. Yeah. He's on his way to. He's, a, he's a Belgian. They're all great. Yeah, we love him. I, I was watching Poirot last night. As a matter of fact, uh, what, on the, what were you watching? Poirot, the uh, uh, Poirot, the, the murder mystery. <laughs> was po- I thought Poirot was French? No, he's Belgian. Belgian. Oh, right on. John Kilburn 
uh, Houston, Texas, $200. Thank you, John. And another uh, return visit from our pal, Elon Shemis. Shemis.com, Pumerand, Netherlands. <laughs> Pumerand. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, we have uh, Chris Schooler, who is uh, actually visited us at the offices. Yeah, this was kind of cool. We had uh, one of our producers from uh, Gitmo Nation down under a little bit to the left, New Zealand, uh, on his way back from a ski trip in Colorado, stopped by the office. In fact, he, he stopped by when neither of us were there. And then I'm walking to the office, and you know how weird it is when you're walking down the street, all of a sudden someone comes up from behind and starts saying something to you? You, you mean that, like, hey, jerk off, move. No, like, that could only be one person. I'm like, oh, crap, here it is. I'm getting it now. <laughs> could be one person. And, this guy, and, he, and the guy's like six feet tall. I'm like, huh? And he says, uh, you must be Adam. Uh, and then he hands you a summons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You've been served. Well, uh, now you, yeah. And uh, so he, he, he brought his donation personally, which uh, we uh, also appreciate. And uh, so he is also listed as an executive producer today. What's his last name again? Schooler, S-C-O-U-L-E-R. Schooler, right. And I, and I think we also said, hey, dude, you know, you really need to uh, get us some uh, information from New Zealand. I mean, it can't yeah, be. Yeah, we did. And he gave us $206. Uh, and so he's uh, the associate executive producer for this week. And uh, my son mentioned, since he was sitting down in the street, says, hey, was that guy you were talking to from Wellington? I said, what do you have? And I looked at his card. He is from Wellington. Apparently, there's a specific Wellington accent that my son can identify because he has a friend from Wellington. <laughs> really? I don't know. I thought it was weird. Well, thank you very much, uh, John Kilburn, Ian Seamus, and Chris Schuler, and of course our uh, as executive uh, associate executive producers and our executive producer for episode number one seventy two of No Agenda. Stephen Pelsmacher's on behalf of the Separator. Um, you know that you need to put this on your CV. Uh, it'll look really good. It looks professional, and it is absolutely true that you are making this episode possible through your financing, which gets you the executive producer credit. And uh, it does get you jobs. Jobs and jobs. And more it's, jobs. It's, but it's proven. It's actually proven people who have donated to this program have gotten jobs because of it. They haven't gotten laid, though, I don't think. <laughs> we, we, that's on the list of premiums we'll, we'll be promising yeah. soon. <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> I do want to uh, give you some props, John. Okay. May I? I knew that would get your attention. Um, you called it, um, I'm going to say four weeks ago, you called it and you said, it looks like they're trying to make Sarah Palin the leader of the Tea Party. And that this was being orchestrated mainly through uh, Fox News, <clears throat> and uh, in particular through Glenn Beck. Yeah, I think Beck uh, is looking for some action. Uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, you called it. You, you yeah, said I know I called it. It was it was it was writing. It was on the wall. So, but here's an interesting thing about it. And this, I, if we're going to talk about this, I might as well mention. And you probably have some clips of Sarah's. Yes, uh, I do. Speech. Yes, I do. Yeah. But there's a big scandal going on because MSNBC had uh, 
requested through Freedom of Information Act all her emails when she was a governor of Alaska during her, the period that she was running. And and the state, and let me get this story up. It's actually Metafilter's got a, a good rundown of this. Um, Uh, apparently, what what's it's they've gotten this three thousand pages of emails. And let me just read this one little section here that somebody mentioned. So this is recent. These emails that yeah, they this published. just came. This just basically showed up. MSNBC just got these. Let me just read a quote here. When MSNBC.com and other other news organizations and citizens of Alaska sought sought Palin email records after she was named Republican vice presidential running mate in August, the state initially quoted a cost as high as fifteen million dollars for state technicians to find the emails, for state interns to print out the emails one at a time. Well, that's what it, you know. That's what it. About what it costs to put up a website for the government, so that's not surprising in their... Uh... For state lawyers to read them and determine what information can be withheld. Uh, that's still the laborious approach the state has taken, which is, does, is a cost of more than 500000 in sta- staff time. But the price prices it is charging have come down considerably. You know it was $15 million before. Now, the state charged MSNBC $323.58. That sounds about right, actually. I mean... It is a lot of work, those Freedom of Information Act requests. Yeah, uh, but with email, you know, you should be able to get this stuff up. No, no, but, but, but it, it has but, to, but, it, but it all has to be read. each one out? Well, it, well that's, the, that's usually how it's requested. I have been through some of this, and every single email has to be read. They have to redact it. That's why it's printed out. And then they, then they eventually, I think, scan them back into PDF. There's a procedure. I mean, it's, it's okay, it, well, it anyway, very that's, laborious. That's not what the story's about. I'm just, right. I just thought it was well, amusing. Well, then, uh, then don't digress. So I always dig- don't digress. Where's the show? <laughs> okay, it's time to wrap it up. It's in the morning. So anyway, it appears that uh, it looks as though, according to these emails, and I think this is the direction they're going to go, is they're going to make it appear, and it's pro- it may or may not be true, that Todd Palin was actually running the place. Oh, uh, you're kidding me. No, there's all kinds of weird stuff really? coming up. There's and then, then when it, and then there's all these little corru- petty corruption. For example, one of the uh, one of the analysis analysts said the governor coached her staff on how to disguise the amount of electrical work needed at the mansion to hook up her new tanning bed. The manager of Palin's travel schedule searched for a public event to use as justification. I just need one quote unquote to charge the state for an airplane flight for Palin's daughter Willow, who made the trip but had missed the event given as its justification. She she actually wrote about that in her book. The, uh, the shadow apparently uh, Todd was you know picking the judicial appointments, doing contract you negotiations. Know, public John, employee and I, I, I read the book, and a lot of what you're telling me, she whether it's true or not, or and seems pretty uninteresting in general. She has addressed most of those things in her book. She addressed the electrical work needed yeah. for the tanning bed? Yeah, well, not tanning bed specifically, but electrical work. Yeah, she's addressed most of that. And she coached the staff on how to disguise the amount needed? Uh, is the word disguise in the actual email? I don't think so. Well, maybe not. Whatever yeah. the case is, I, it's, it's I, I'm piece, sure... It's a hit well, anyway, The MSNBC. point I'm trying to make is not the facts or the, of the matter or anything else. Here's what, here's what I'm trying to get to, but if you wouldn't continually interrupt my train of thought a msnbc is going to take this stuff and they're going to give it to olbermann and that idiot uh what's her name and they're going to blow out all this stuff and and basically try to derail palin's uh, 
potential as being a uh, presidential candidate. If these people were Republicans, they would bury this stuff, get her in as the candidate, and then bring it out and, and ruin the chances of her being elected. This is what they did with Muskie, well, and this is what they tend to do. The Democrats are so kind of like in your face that they don't even get how this mechanism works, and they're playing this completely wrong. That's my only point. Well, um, they've they've uh, wasted uh, about four hundred grand because circulating the net today is uh, a picture of Sarah Palin from the uh, from her uh, keynote at the Tea Party convention, <laughs> and uh, you've probably seen it by now. The chat room is all over it. She had crib notes written on her left hand. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, three points? It was energy tax cuts and lift American spirits. And of course, this is the only thing the American public will hear about. And I'm not pro Palin as a presidential candidate, and I do believe the Tea Party is being hijacked. But there is a difference between what she actually said, what happened there in Tennessee, and this is, I guarantee you, the only thing you're going to hear is about the crib notes on her left hand. That's the only thing. So they don't even need these emails. They will ridicule her down to, uh, oh, she's like a... Like a sixth grader needs crib notes. It's gonna. You watch. You watch this happen. It will without. It will be the complete. The distraction of the week. Hey, on no agenda. Now, uh, you, you saw that, right? You saw the uh, the crib notes. Yeah, but it was like. Unfortunately, I wonder, What did it say? I wonder. That's what I just told you. I just told no, you I mean, what it says. I mean, I mean, have we actually seen a photo of it. Yes. There, yes. There's a. Yeah. There's a. There's video no, and a photo. I saw that same video you saw. And I it's have, very unclear. No, 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 wait, no, no. There's another. There's a picture taken while she's at the lectern. Uh, you want me to send it to you right now so you can yep. see it? Or do you believe yep. me? Yeah, you want to see it? Hold on a second. There's a photo of her taken at the lectern where it actually... Hold on, I just got to save this. Uh, because I'm convinced it should buy bread. <laughs> no, it didn't say buy bread. You damn. All right, here it is. Uh, coming at you. No, it says uh, uh, it says energy tax cut, and there's actually one word crossed off, and it says lift American spirits, which could be sh smoke American spirits. I don't know. Um, you got that? Just want to make it's sure you. Coming. Ugh, we really shouldn't do this. It's really bad for the connection. <laughs> Yeah, it is, but it doesn't seem to be affecting it at the moment. Well, not on your end, my friend. No. Okay, you got it? Now, take a look, and you'll see. That's a pretty damn good picture. They got it close up. And I guarantee you that is the only thing that will be discussed about her entire speech. What does it say? Energy? Yeah, it says energy, tax cuts, and lift American spirits. What is it that? What is it that's X'd out? Who cares? That's that, you. You sound like one of these news shows. What is X'd out? Whoa, we've analyzed it. Rawr. Well, I, I'm for one thing. I'm dubious that this is actually what it is. But yeah, it uh, is. It is. It is. Now, John, this is like a. This is like the CIS. Enhance it. <laughs> Enhance. Zoom in on that. Okay. Can you clarify? Uh, what kind of pen was it written with? So anyway, the whole point, of course, is it's laughable because the president of the United States uses a teleprompter. And in the very spirit of no agenda, this is what you pay for, my friends. It's what we do so you don't have to see space. 
So I spent my time last night watching this, and I would like to review it with you, John, and play a couple of clips. So, first of all, this is, of course, a hijack of uh, the Tea Party movement. By the way, Sarah Palin was introduced by Andrew Breitbart of uh, BigGovernment.com. And oh, big really? Hollywood. Yeah. So, you know, n- n- there's people with egos all over the place, which is kind of like, all right. When I saw that, I was like, hmm, not liking this. Because the whole point of the Tea Party is it's low, it's a, it's a grassroots national movement where people on a local level are kicking incumbents out of office, which is, I think, great. Uh, and, the, and, and, and there should not be a leader, which Sarah Palin does, does discuss. But at the end, uh, there's a clip that kind of shows you uh, what things are to come. But remember, this room is filled with Republicans, independents, disgruntled Democrat, Democrats in this uh, convention center in, uh, in Tennessee. And uh, I have to say, it was like she had read the show notes to no agenda. Every single topic, she went boom, 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 boom. She hit every single one. This speech was for the Tea Party movement, for people who are pissed off about what's happening, was a brilliant speech without a teleprompter, I will say. And I got a couple of clips, starting off with the major slam that uh, was, and uh, it's an open door, as we call it, but it was uh, well done and uh, made a lot of sense for her to start the speech off this way. I am so proud to be American. Thank you. Gosh, thank you. Happy birthday, Ronald Reagan! Oh, by the way, there was a lot of happy birthday, Ronald Reagan throughout the. I watched some of the, the convention earlier because it was Ronald Reagan. It would have been Ronald Reagan's 99th birthday, so there's a lot of Ronald Reagan was great stuff all over the evening. Well, a special hello to the C-SPAN viewers. You may not be welcome in those health care negotiations, but you have an invitation to the Tea Party. <laughs> so that's good, right? Yeah, it's okay. I thought it was good. With the line, I didn't like the fact, I, I don't, and I have mixed feelings about, uh, anyway, go, just play it. I'm going to listen. What? Okay. Well, I, I, I wouldn't mind hearing your feedback on the, well, I, mean, I, can, I can't put it in words, but there's something about her being the spokesperson for the tea party and welcoming, welcoming C-SPAN when she's not really a spokesperson. She's just a public speaker. Well, here she addresses that very topic. Hold on. And your voice is too important, so work hard for these candidates, but put your faith in ideas and in that spirit. I caution against allowing this movement to be defined by any one leader or politician. The Tea Party movement is not a top-down operation. It's a ground-up call to action that is forcing both parties to change the way that they're doing business, and that's beautiful. So... I think this is the clip we need to save because here she's saying it should not be one politician. Uh, there should be no leader. And she cautions everybody for that. So she addressed that pretty early on. Then, of course, uh, as I said, uh, I don't care which way you look at it. Uh, she is a reason besides the voice, which is just it really starts to gnaw. At it's you. a grating voice. And it's yeah. like this squeaky, squawky thing. I mean, when I first saw her, you know, her uh, bio and all that, I had, had predicted she would be a candidate uh, and wasn't surprised when they picked her. And then when I realized that she sounds just dreadful, you can't, it just makes you want to put earmuffs on or, or scream. <laughs> yeah. Nikki said the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a little grating. I agree. 
But anyway, um, just moving through. Here she uh, slams uh, the president. Listen to the crowd, by the way. They were loving her. Standing ovation after standing ovation. I have to say, it was like one after another. It was like, zing, zing, zing. Uh, then the meat of her, uh, the meat of the of the keynote, which I really didn't like, because uh, she's all over, uh, you know, have, oh, she has a, a kid in the uh, in Iraq, and so I can understand that, you know, where she's coming from in, to some degree, but she really is stepping up on the on the security of the country. I don't think she says homeland, at least I hope not. Um, so she, she really lays into, this is a little bit longer clip, but she really lays into, uh, the double speak in Washington and then goes straight into the, uh, crotch bomber. And I think this was really the, the main crux of her platform, which unfortunately may become the platform of the Tea Party if she actually becomes some kind of candidate for them. Now, in recent weeks, many of us have grown even more uneasy about our administration's approach to national security. The most important role ascribed to our federal government, let me say, too, it's not politicizing our security to discuss our concerns because Americans deserve to know the truth about the threats that we face and what the administration is or isn't doing about them. So let's talk about them. New terms used like overseas contingency operation instead of the word war that reflects a worldview that is out of touch with the enemy that we face. We can't spin our way out of this threat. It's one thing to call a pay raise a job created or saved. It's quite another to call the devastation that a homicide bomber can inflict a man-made disaster. And I just say, come on, Washington, if nowhere else, national security, that's one place where you got to call it like it is. Right. We should acknowledge that on Christmas Day, the system did not work. Abdul Mutallab passed through airport security with a bomb, and he boarded a flight hell-bent on killing innocent passengers. This terrorist trained in Yemen with Al-Qaeda. His American visa was not revoked until after he tried to kill hundreds of passengers. On Christmas Day, the only thing that stopped this terrorist blind luck and brave passengers really it was a christmas miracle and that is not the way that the system is supposed to work and see see, she's all over this and i'm not liking how she's uh she's basically saying we should have waterboarded the guy as she moves on you know saying we only uh interrogated him for 50 minutes so she's she's kind of on the waterboarding tip which i'm not too uh not too hot on i don't know i mean i think uh I don't know. I'm surprised that she's even still in the picture, and people are standing and clapping for her. Well, no, I, th- I think I think you're misunderstanding what's happening. Even though you called it, is this is a group of people who are very angry 
And the most dangerous thing has happened is they've brought in uh, a robotic shill uh, to rile them up. And she, you know, she looks reasonably pleasing. They have to work on the voice. I think they could detune it a little bit. They put one of those auto tuners in her voice box to, to just bring it down to half an octave would be fine. Um, but she's, all, my point is every single thing she did was just hit after hit after hit of all the things that the people who are angry about and listen to, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh or Hannity or, uh, what's his name? Beck. Riley and Beck. Yeah. So here's another one. You know, what, what's another huge, uh, so she's just hitting back at everything. It's like, oh, everything's being blamed on the previous administration. So she has to hit that as well. The lesson of the last year is this. Foreign policy can't be managed through the politics of personality. And our president would do well to take note of an observation John F. Kennedy had made once he was in office, that all of the world's problems aren't his predecessor's faults. I don't know if Kennedy actually said that. Can you can you recall anything like that? Uh-uh, I never heard that. No, I, I never heard it. Now, of course, she lays into I mean, the- Kennedy, for one thing... Followed like an extremely popular president, Dwight D. Eisenhower, who wasn't really blamed for anything because, in fact, during that era and into this probably until about the mid 1970s, uh, at least amongst the, the uh, Democrats and I probably maybe possibly amongst the Republicans, uh, Eisenhower was, was was called and considered a do nothing president. Never really created any problems. He was just basically a maintenance guy. Did uh, Kennedy inherit some kind of huge problem except for the no, Bay of Pigs? No, was, I mean, the Korean War, I mean, no, the only problem that was kind of uh, inherited, the Korean War was over, I believe, but the thing that was kind of inherited was the police action that the French were involved in in Vietnam, and it was a minor nothing at the time, and Kennedy came in and screwed it up, and then it was further screwed up by Lyndon Johnson. So we should investigate if he actually ever used that quote, because I'd never heard of it. Ever. I think it's made up. Yeah, it sounds, but maybe it sounds somebody. Like yeah, we have a million listeners, so let's see. Someone, we'll, someone will source wish. it for us. Yeah. Now uh, we. So of course, uh, along with the populist, uh, her populist speech, she obviously has to lay into hope and change, and uh, the transparency and how uh, Washington was going to change, and she hits that one right on the mark again. Remember, th- this is this was easy to do. You and I could have done this. We probably could have done it in high heels, but we definitely could have done the speech. Plus, remember our administration promised that it would be good stewards of taxpayer dollars. Remember? Remember Vice President Biden? He was put in charge of a tough, unprecedented oversight effort. That's how it was introduced. You know why? Because nobody messes with Joe. and change and transparency and now a year later I gotta ask those supporters of all that how's that hopey changey stuff working out for you <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny how's that hopey changey stuff working out for you anyway so then she uh, bitches about the transparency she nails the 40 lobbyists currently in the administration I'm not going to play those clips for you but then finally the one that we really are waiting for is, you know, so is she going to be the leader of the Tea Party? Remember, she's just said that this should not take place. There should be no leader. And uh, she's then interviewed after this. She gets like three or four questions after her speech. And uh, 
And of course, she's asked uh, if 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 there'll be President Palin. And uh, the question was kind of asked two times. So just the second answer as she's about to go, and uh, and that'll kind of sum it all up where this is headed. So. Thank you so much for coming down here. We really appreciate it. Uh, you may have to fight your way out of here from all these people who don't want you to leave. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I have to apologize if I had anything to do with any of the controversy that some of the media spun up. Um, I'm, what controversy? I, all right. I am happy, honored, proud to take any speaking fee that was ever um, going to be written out for me via a check and turn it right back around and give it to the cause. This is this isn't about money. It's not about um, a title. It's not about a leader posi position here in this movement. It is about the people. I will live. I will die for the people of America, whatever I can do to help. And this party, this party that we call the Tea Party, this movement, as I say, is the future of politics in America. And I am proud to get to be here today. There you so go. Thank you so much. So she's setting herself up. Yeah, I think well, it's some, you know, it's like the brown shirts at some level, without the violence, but that can change. And uh, she thinks she can uh, be the boss. I don't know. I don't know. I find that you know, I, I to be honest about it. At this point, I just find her so incredibly annoying that I mean, I'm having a hard time even with this segment. Um, well, even though I, well, I did I, predict I think, that this was going to happen, and that's the problem is what was really ultra annoying is not even this part is that, that I think this is going to continue. We're going to still have to deal with this woman. Well, I guess the only the only well, first of all, it is our service, and you know we need to at least listen to all of this stuff to know what is going on, as what being and what's being said. And uh, I think that the way I analyze it is very simple. There's two things going on. First of all, it was beautiful to see a room full of Americans who were actually pissed off and want to do something about it and have started to organize. Uh, on the other hand, this is the tipping point. This is the moment where it's about to go all, all wrong. You've got all these weird people in there, uh, including Sarah Palin, and they're taking over the movement. They are completely hijacking the movement, which will be, which is, a, it's, a, it's like it was set up months in advance, John. It goes, I think it goes all the way back to her quitting the governorship. They already knew what they were going to do. And the media mm. is on board. Fox is on board because she's got her platform. They've got everything all set up. They're ready to go. And it's a very dangerous uh, tipping point in the entire Tea Party movement. And I might point out that the very first Tea Party, as far as I can remember, was Ron Paul. And he is not mentioned once in this entire symposium, which I watched hours of it yesterday. Oh, really? I, not once. And by the way, he wasn't invited. He wasn't there. So I, I just can't take it seriously. It, it's not, it can't be the real deal. No, if Ron Paul, you're right, and Ron Paul is the giveaway. He is the uh, the harbinger there. You have Breitbart, but you don't have Ron Paul. You have Sarah Palin, but you don't have Ron Paul. And then nobody mentions Ron Paul, but they keep making accolades to Reagan uh, in some sort of, you know, hoping to get a knee-jerk reaction. Oh, Reagan, Reagan, Reagan. Oh, it was the, the whole time. Continue, and I'm sure it wasn't chosen on Reagan's 99th birthday by accident. Or as we say... Coincidence? I think not! Yeah, they're, they're working with... What's that? I like that. Yeah, we got a new jingle. <laughs> Shut up, Jingle. I love it. It's great. 
All right, enough Palin. Hey, it's a service now. Now you can now you can at least uh, slam her and the Tea Party hijacking intelligently at the next at your Super Bowl party. All right, you can say ah, you can say ah, yeah, I, I know what's going on. I saw it. It's a service. All right, so uh, on the real news. <laughs> and now back to real news. Yeah, this is on the blog. I should mention it just in case anyone wants to know, because uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. If you're in Toronto, Toronto. I'm gonna read for the article. Toronto's uh, Mildred Temple Kitchen is inviting customers to have sex in its bathrooms. <laughs> Wait, this is what a, a restaurant? What'd you say? Yeah, the Valentine's weekend promotion takes uncomfortable but electrifying sex from the close confines of an airplane and transfers to the unisex stalls of the Hana Avenue restaurant. The Liberty Village restaurant, I'm sorry, it's the Liberty Village. Mildred's Temple Kitchen. The Liberty Village restaurant proposes its modern bathrooms become one of the 101 places to have sex before you die. <laughs> What are, the other, what are the other what are the other 100 it's Mildred's Temple sorry uh, in Liberty Village I didn't realize those who it was uh, Mildred's has always elicited a certain response one customer didn't want to be naked or, or I'm sorry named uh, remembers going to a wedding at the eatery's old location and seeing a copy of the Kama Sutra in the bathroom they invite it says the customer this time the invitation is explicit on the website Mildred's asks have you given any thought to moving beyond the bedroom Check out Mildred's sexy bathrooms throughout the weekend of big love. You get the picture, unquote. <laughs> what, the, what is the point? This I don't is know. Just, this is just more commercialism around a stupid date. It's dumb. <laughs> I know. It's I, know dumb. I hate it, too. It's but like, I have to say, this is at least a little creative. And in Canada, you know, in the United States, you couldn't do this because you'd be put on oh, the no, sex, yeah, sex offenders, offenders list. list. Oh, yeah, no, you can't do that. No, we can't have any fun anymore. Remember when it used to, stuff used to be fun, John? Yeah, I remember that back in the day. I'm, I'm even old enough to remember when stuff used to be fun. Used to read fun stuff and think, ha, that's fun. Yeah, nowadays, you know, that when, when I was a kid, you know, they used to make out in the, uh, at the drive-in theaters. That's so right. Hugging car, and you know, kissing in the backseat. Well, they were doing more than kissing in a lot of these cars. Because the funny thing is about the drive-in theater is that the uh, the car windows would uh, fog up to an extreme. It's just the nature of uh, of the uh, you know being in a, in a cold night a car. You're breathing a lot. They completely fogged up. And if you wanted to have sex in the back seat, it wasn't like a very difficult to do. Nowadays. You would be busted and put on the sex offenders list. <laughs> and given a, an ankle bracelet so we can track you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Anyway, uh, so uh, right. I just thought it was a good, a good a real news story. Yeah, I love it. You want some real, real news? I mean, the, the euro is collapsing. Is that in, of, of any interest to you? <laughs> it's not as collapsing as I'd like it to. No. It's down to a buck thirty-six, I think. This is pretty interesting, though, what's happened, because we have the uh, Club Med, as it's being known, Greece, Portugal, Spain, who essentially, you know, they're all on board the euro, and so they don't have their own currency, and they have, you know, huge deficits, like 10 12%. And it's not supposed to be more than three, I think, is the general uh, agreement. And, uh, you know, and, and there's all kinds of corruption and all this crap is coming out and the farmers are bur burning all their shit. 
And of course, these um, these countries don't have their own currency to inflate or 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 mess with to uh, to combat what's happening. And so now, you know, the question is: Will the European Union, i.e., the other states in Gitmo Nation East, will they bail out these uh, these countries, or will they have to leave the union? Or what happens? You know, is it, and no one really knows. And there's all kind. Everyone's freaking out in the financial sector. And it seems like it's um, uh, it, no good can come of it. And now, uh, just uh, uh, just announced or reported, investors withdraw up to ten billion dollars from Greece as government prepares tax crackdown to cut down the deficit, which is about the only thing they can do is to raise taxes. So all the money is now flowing out of Greece into Switzerland and other places. Uh, traditionally, the Greece already. Uh, the Greek already put their money in Switzerland, but you know they've got like what are they like? They're into shipping and stuff. So now they're taking all their private money out. There'll be no money left in Greece. <laughs> Seriously, none, no money. And you know, with taxes or guys go sky high. No one's going to want to go uh, on vacation there. It's horrible. Now you know Greece was is always been kind of a dingy place. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it has. I mean, the islands are some of the islands that are really Acropolis, nice. That Acropolis thing is dusty, man. It's no good. I'm talking about Athens, a regular city where people live. It's just it's grimy. And and here's and, and there's also something about Greece. I went to it. This is a while back, but I did go to Greece and I went and con- contrasted it with Istanbul, the Athens and Istanbul back to back. And I have like a couple of anecdotes. First of all, so I, I, I was with a group, and so I figured out what the absolute best restaurant in town was in Athens. And I wish I had the name in front of me because they need to be uh, called out. But people know this story. They had the, one of the top uh, awards from the Wine Spectator for the spectacular wine list of thousands, tens of thousands of unbelievably rare and great wine. So I started going in. I did my research. So I started ordering some of these wines. And it, and it kept coming back like this. Uh, we uh, we only have one bottle of that left, so you can't have it. Why, why can't you have the last bottle? Well, it went on and on. And, and I said, no, you only have one bottle of that left. This went on and on. It was wine after wine. And finally, the guy said, well, there's a couple of bottles. I said, okay, we'll get one. So we brought it back, and they said, well, we only have one left, so you can't have the other one. It was just a, it was a shill. It was just to keep the wines in, in, on the list. Uh, okay. So it was a total scam. So they had this huge wine list with all these famous wines on it, but you can't buy them because they were the only ones left. It was just bullshit. Anyway, but so have you, that but was ha- very annoying. And uh, <laughs> Well, but- you know, that just proves it. The country deserves to go to shit because they screw with their wine lists. I, I agree. That's true. The French would never do that. <laughs> no. So anyway, uh, so, I'm com- <laughs> so meanwhile, I'm contrasting uh, Olympic Air with, uh, and anyone who's flown these oh, carriers. Oh, yeah, I've flown Olympic Air. <laughs> no, Olympic Air. Yeah, no, that's I not mean, really I'm surprised cool. they don't start the engine with a shotgun. You know? Heraklion <laughs> Airport. Yeah, one of those big cartridges. There we so go. they so we get on this plane which is a piece of crap and it's just and I'm in business class and it's like everyone can smoke but it's like uh, so it's like the last airline level everyone's smoking all over the place and the but what's funny is that the thing is in the runway and before the wheels are up I'm smelling smoke <laughs> and I'm looking around it's the stewardess <laughs> and it wasn't from her mouth. 
<laughs> so anyway, so she's like, can't wait to, to lie down. So meanwhile, so I took the my next leg of this flight. I took a, a Turkish Airways. Turkish Airways is using nothing but new equipment. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Was this one of these uh, sex vacations you usually book, John, or was this something else? No, this is just a, a, a just find a lousy wineless vacation. <laughs> I'm buying rugs. Anyway. Uh the central bankers of the world are uh, desperately trying to figure out what to do. And there's a, there's a meeting uh, today and tomorrow in Australia, of all places. So we really need our uh, uh, No Agenda militia down under to go and check it out. They are meeting with, of course, the Bank of International Settlements, which, of course, is the true central bank of all the central banks. And you're not hearing a lot about this, by the way. They're, you know, they're kind of, I would say it's kind of secret, but they're really, uh, they're freaking out. And Geithner's going to be there, little Timmy and Bernanke, and everyone's going to be down there in Australia. I mean, why do they have to go to Australia? Because they don't only, want people throwing rocks at them. It can only be, yeah, that will be one of the two reasons. Secrecy and a no-rock policy. Yeah, the Australians don't, you know, as far as they're concerned, it's just uh, tourist dollars. So uh, well, I think the whole thing could. Well, what happens if Greece goes down? I mean, this well, is, it's not just Greece; it's it's Portugal and it's Spain. If it goes down, well, the euro I think could conceivably go to like ninety cents against the dollar. That's what it's supposed to be. Exactly. So interesting. Well, let's though. hope it happens. You know, the thing is, you know, there our government seems to think that a weak dollar is great because it's going to help encourage exports. You know, what do we export? Boeing jets. Okay, well, those are big ticket items and maybe Caterpillar. And trains. But most of the stuff, we're not, we're not big export country. I mean, let's take a look at the balance of the budget. If we get a strong dollar, which is what we should have, it's going to encourage investment. Because people jump into the stock market, the dollar is going to be worth more and more money. Just on, So you don't even have to, come doesn't have to even make profit anymore. It's just going to be naturally uh, uh, profitable. And so that is where the direction we should go. We should go to the strong dollar policy. But these guys, these idiots in Washington, I, I'm not absolutely sure they get that at all i don't think they get anything well while on the topic let's see where is my i have some clips okay uh these are the clips you don't remember (laughs) it's unbelievable here's the joke of it so i'm going to actually go look at the list of clips um and See, uh, I don't want to mention the names because it kind of gives away what it is. But I've got. Yeah, in front yeah, of yeah. Me, Here, so. Let me just look at the. There's one that's. Oh, brother. <laughs> just go. Give me you go on to your next topic and let me go dig this up. That's <laughs> like you don't care about what I say. No, I, gonna, well, that's because I'm preoccupied with these clips. And what what are they? <laughs> <laughs> OK, it's just I'm off. It's my biorhythms. I was looking at them on my. I was looking at my Nexus One phone. It's like a little biorhythms program. Okay. This is like a triple yeah. down bio, for me today. Biorhythms bio program on your Nexus One. Well, okay, I'll hook into that. I love the fact that uh, that Google has announced a quote partnership with the NSA, the National Security Agency, the biggest <laughs> spooks on the in the on the face of the planet. It's a partnership to uh, so they're going to work together to ward off these uh, cyber attacks. You know, I'm sorry, but this has been glossed over so easily by everybody. A partnership. I, I, you know how you know, Google has been compromised. Compromised. 
The critical question is, at what level will the American public be comfortable with Google sharing information with the NSA, said Ellen McCarthy, president of the Intelligence and National Security Alliance, an organization of current and former intelligence and national security officials that seeks ways to foster greater sharing of information between government and industry, i.e. a spook retirement home. Is Is this the only person you could find, Washington Post? You're compromised as well. They're all compromised. It's crazy. The NSA in partnership with Google. We already suspected they were part of the CIA or that they had the CIA in, in there. But now, I mean, the NSA, this, this is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do no evil. How about just, just skip the do no and just be. The mark of the beast. Google is evil. And that phone, that dude, throw that in the toilet now. I keep it turned off. I'm not worried. <laughs> There's a little man in there. <laughs> he needs to be fed. <laughs> he needs to be fed. Keep your batteries fired up, dude. Uh, so I didn't get a what, clip of this, but some what, guy in... Uh, I have a you clip, have nothing to say clip. about this Google NSA? No, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion. At least they're honest about it. They should put the NSA logo at the bottom of the Google search engine. No, no, not at the bottom, at the top. They should just say, in the O's, in the O's. Yeah, someone please make that. Yeah. (laughs) In partnership with NSA for your safety against the Chinese. Thank you, darling. (laughs) (laughs) It's nuts. I just can't believe it. No, no, we're not Sergey. And, what are we uh, supposed to say about it? I mean, can I? Am I supposed to write a column and say, "Oh, these bad people at Google, they they got the NSA in their bedrooms, or you know, or whatever." It would be. It would be a good start. It would be a good start. And now, and now the uh, what was this? Um, FBI wants records of websites. Visited, kept for two years. Uh, FBI pressing internet service providers to record which websites customers visit and retain those logs for two years. A requirement, here it comes, that law enforcement believes could help its investigations of child pornography and other serious crimes. Is that the only thing we worry about? Apparently. That and flat breasts. <laughs> well, no, that's the Australia. That's Australia. They got their own internet problems. But I mean, seriously, are these people it's, for real? You know, child porn is now being used as the, as the essentially the cover for fishing expeditions of all sorts. It's a cover. Well, we oh, know, we got to do it for this reason. Oh, okay. Well, gee, we can't. We all hate that. Child we pornography. Know. And meanwhile, they're looking for anything. Political affiliations, stock market tips. I mean, the only reason people want to violate your privacy is so they can blackmail you. There you and go. Say, well, you know, it's no big deal. Anyone could be blackmailed. Maybe we need to. Well, maybe we don't forget about it. You know what? If it, if it's something that you uh, that you don't want to be known, just don't put it online. Write it down on some paper and eat it. And eat the paper. Eat your notes. That's the safest. We need to go back. To, that's why they won't teach kids to write script cursive anymore. They don't want people writing. They want it all digital. You know, this, I heard, yeah, it's true. You might be right. That may be true. No, I heard this is no longer in the curriculum, that uh, cursive writing is no longer required, and it's all supposed to be block letters. I could be wrong, but I think I read this somewhere that that's the that new curriculum driven by the letters. government. Make sure you write in black letters in the blocks. Yeah, inside the lines. You know what you have to do, slave. 
because they don't, you know, they don't want people to write. You know, we also used to to learn Greek and Latin. Now, you 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 had mandatory Greek and Latin, didn't you? In school, uh, no, we had mandatory foreign languages, but the Latin requirement had been disappeared by the time I got to high school. Because it isn't, I mean, look at all e pluribus unum. Isn't that like Latin? Shouldn't we be learning that language if it's on our money? Yeah. I mean, yeah, why? we should. I think we should learn Latin anyway. It makes you much more, it's easier to pick up other languages, and it gives you the sense of where these words came from and what they really mean. And Yeah, but that's all been removed. All of the ancient uh, mysteries of the world were all in Latin and Greek, and that's why they don't want you learning it, because they don't want you to know all the ancient uh the ancient techniques. They don't want you to know, you to know anything. No, <laughs> that's correct. So, apparently, so I'm looking at this story, by the way. That this is one I was looking for. This is professor at Portland State gets up and he points out some 30-year-old student in the... In oh, the, in, yes. No, I've read this story. Yes, amazing. In the classroom. It says, this man is an agent for the FBI. I want him out of here. And he went and made a big stink. And the, the kid, kid is 30. Apparently, uh, was going around giving classes on how to make Molotov cocktails and how to uh, buy assault weapons and all this other stuff, which doesn't sound like he's an agent of the FBI. But what it obviously was, he was a honeypot of some sort, you know, FBI phony, you know, trying to see who'd be interested in making a Molotov cocktail. And I guess this professor who was raised in Eastern Europe found that you, who knew how to spot guys like this because he was noticing them in Bulgaria when he was a student himself, I guess or something like that. I don't, I don't, the background is sketchy, but he's been a professor at Portland State for 25 years or so. Um, spotted this phony, and which he believes to be a phony, alleged phony, and uh, called him. Of course, the professor got fired, and the kids, uh, you know, hasn't been, nobody's not talking anything. I thought that was a peculiar story. So there's a thought now that, the, that all the schools are loaded with these phony, you know, these sure. older kids who are really FBI yeah, well, older kid. I mean, 30 is not a kid. By the way, his name was Mr. Bucharest. I mean, please. <laughs> I know his name is Bucharest. Bucharest. And here's uh, the FBI in Portland confirmed last month and again Thursday the suggestion that Mr. Bucharest is in any way, in any way has tried to incite violence or illegal activity is false. The suggestion that Mr. Bucharest in any way has, how do they know that, by the way, in any way has threatened any PSU student is false. Mr. Bucharest is disheartened that Professor Hall's union representative is making inflammatory public statements rather than letting the PSU investigation run its course. Why doesn't the FBI just say he's not a fucking fed? But they're not saying that. They're saying he didn't incite violence. You know, he was a peaceful FBI agent. I I wish I, uh, I had audio or video. This guy apparently really exploded and just freaked out on him. Yeah, we need to record. People out there, you need to record everything. Yeah, please. It's a material. But I, I oh, here it is. Um, here, here's the here's the details. About thirty minutes left in the class hall. The hall. That's the professor made a dramatic announcement. An FBI informant was enrolled in the class. He talked about his experience with government informants in East Germany. Then identified the student as Zach Bucharest. Hal put a letter detailing his accusations on the overhead projector. So they're still using overhead projectors there. Interesting to note. So the class could read it. Uh, Hall then handed Bucharest a packet to give to his superiors. Cool. <laughs> like, here, here, here's all the info you want, douchebag. Then he proceeded to say a lot of unpleasant things about Bucharest. For instance, Hall called Bucharest a killer and said that he had the spirit of Cain and the spirit of Judas. 
Uh, Hall snapped a digital photo of Bucharest and said that if he ever saw him on campus again, he would plaster his photo and copies of his photos all over campus, campus and tell everyone who he was. I mean, you know, this guy didn't just freak out like that. I'm sure he's right. Yeah, I'm sure he is. He probably knew the earmarks, and then he did a little research, I'm sure, uh, you know, before he blew up, and then that blew up. But, you know, I, so first of all, I totally believe that there are shills in campuses. I also think they're uh, in all houses of worship and churches, synagogues, everywhere. I mean, yes, of course they are. That's what they do. And now yeah, they're, they're probably in a lot of corporations. Yeah. Uh-oh. Hmm. In fact, there was an interesting article, which is also on the blog, uh, this guy uh, Samuel Bowles was talking about what he calls guard labor. In the 2007 paper on the subject, he and co-author Arun Yeyadev, an assistant professor at the University of Massachusetts, make an astonishing claim. Roughly one in four Americans is employed to keep fellow citizens in line and protect private wealth from would-be Robin Hoods. Job descriptions of guard labor range from imposing work discipline, think of the corporate IT spies who keep desk jockeys from slacking off online, to enforcing uh, law enforcement like officers of the Santa Fe Police Department paddy wagon, department parked outside of Walmart. The greater of the inequalities are in a society, the more guard labor it requires, Bowles finds. This holds true among U.S. states, with relatively unequal states like New Mexico employing a greater share of guard labor than relatively egalitarian states like Wisconsin. Do you remember the movie um, Scanners? You know, I never, I've only seen the clips of the guy's heads blowing up. I've never actually watched the movie. Oh, actually, uh, here's a better one. Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers would be better. So we need to yeah. kind of have, you know, when... when when they would see one of them, and they would, then the, or when one of them would see you, and you were not a, a pod person, they would go. Aah! So we need to do that when we spot a Fed. <laughs> fed. Thank, thank God, Mickey's not activated yet. <laughs> and we have to have a better word than Fed. Fed is a bad it's, word. It's not good anymore. I like this guard labor thing, though. This is interesting. Yeah, but it's it's like too many syllables. Yeah, and there has to be some little catchy little term that we can make into a jingle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you can play it on your Pocket No Agenda app. You can play the jingle <laughs> right, so we can that's identify. What you, do. you push the button and it indicates only insiders would know, but uh, yeah. they would all know. It's, uh, yeah, but it's, it's pretty sad. And uh, you know what? I have some background in the, in the spook arena. Totally. They're in corporations. News organizations is where they are the most. Cause, you know, most, F, most CIA and uh, FBI and other type of information jobs, it's not all like running around with satellite, you know, dishes and, uh, and, you know, and spy, you know, spy satellites and secret little mini recorders. A lot of it is just indoctrinating the media. It's just pure COINTEL pro. That's what a lot of the work is. And in this case, you know, just checking up on everybody. Making sure you're all on board with the program. Anyone get out of line? And uh, we have to... Uh, oh, oh, sorry. You will drown well, in a pool now, of aspirin. 
so we can play a clip here that would be kind of someone who is completely out of out of control. So I'm watching the. I, most of my clips come from today. Uh, normally, I don't listen to the show because it makes my teeth itch. Fedhead is a suggestion from the uh, Fedhead No Agenda Militia. I like that Fedhead. Fedhead could work. Huh. Uh, anyway, so I'm watching the, the Democracy Now! show with Amy Lipless, Lipless Wonder Goodman. <laughs> no, no, no need to get personal, John. <sighs> I'm sorry. So I just think she's, she just, I don't know, she's just someone that's on, on the air and so full of herself is that it's just hard to watch. And she's wordy. Is she friends with Ariana Huffington? You know, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think so, but they could be easily become friends. Anyway, so uh, so they're playing. A, they're, they're, everything is slanted on the show to an extreme, and they're they're moaning about the Olympics in Vancouver. And not as though Vancouver hasn't got enough problems of their own, since it doesn't want to snow for the Winter Olympics, right. which is just too funny. So they they get some. There's apparently a protest, and there's oh, this protest, and they're going to talk about the protest, and there's like, I'm swear to God, it's like eight people. <laughs> the protest, and yeah. so they get all these news guys. There are more news guys than protesters, and they're all listening to this this rabid complainer. But it's not that she, she you think she'd be complaining about the Olympics in some way, but no. She since she had the mics on her, it's going to be. You'll hear this. She decided to to go on this rant about every injustice that she could think of that wasn't written on the palm of her hand. But this play, play it. <laughs> okay. The ad has not been publicly shown, but it's said to show the no, mother. The Olympics. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just hit the Amy Goodman. My mistake. Here we go. Olympics. Address. And in Canada, activists in the city of Vancouver are gearing up for protests against this month's Olympic Games. The Olympics Resistance Network has organized a people summit to co. Wow, that sounds real 40s, doesn't it? Oh, terrible. The Olympics Resistance Network. Coincide <laughs> with the game's opening ceremony. It ain't no, 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 no agenda militia, boy, I'll tell you. Organized a people summit to coincide with the game's opening ceremonies next week. Harsha Walia of the Olympics Resistance Network said the games are undermining indigenous rights and social services. We see that the games have been overrun with a budget of over $7 billion. Indigenous lands continue to be exploited and stolen with ski resort development all across British Columbia, increasing poverty and criminalization of the poor in the downtown east side, a massive cutback in public spending, and an increasing budget for policing and militarization here in Vancouver. We have $1 billion that are being sunk into a military police state in the lead-up to the Olympics. Man, what's your problem? Join the club. <laughs> it's like, but what is she going on about budget considerations and, uh, and who development? Cares? Who cares? Yeah, this nothing, is it. But it's got nothing to do with the Olympics. And nothing to do with indigenous peoples either. No. It's like, I guess, listen to stuff and I shake my head. I go, what? what is wrong with these people? Well, this is, you know, I feel bad because, you know, essentially she's just angry. But then you're right. You know, she doesn't know how to, how to project her anger through intellectual uh, non sequiturs. Which is more than I can do, but still. Play, play the Amy Goodman and Planned Parenthood clip. Okay, because I have a Planned Parenthood thing here as well, I think. I somewhere. got a couple. Okay. The ad has not been publicly shown, but it's okay, said to on. show let the me mother back, let me of give college. A little background. Yeah, please. This is the, this is the Super Bowl ad? 
oh, there's a Super Bowl ad, and everyone's commenting on it, and we're on the left is commenting on it, because essentially, you know, it, here's, here's the litany. This horrible ad, although we haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, but it's horrible. Yeah, this, this, is, this, horrible is ad. Like, this is almost like the GoDaddy ads, where you, everyone's like, oh, it, this has to be banned, but no one's actually seen it, because it's a PR stunt. Yeah, and so these guys are all worked up, and they're all in a lather over all this ad because it's done by a consortium, which is one of the very hated uh, Dobson group. And they, oh, they're terrible. Whatever they do is going to be bad because of some, because these people are, oh, by the way, Amy and the rest of you, it's called stereotyping what you're doing. And it's supposed to be bad according to your philosophies. But anyway. Leave that alone. Nobody's seen the ad. They're all worked up about it. And so they start comparing it to another ad, which somebody supposedly is wanted to run, even though it's some gay dating service, which doesn't have the $2.5 million to pay for this ad. And basically, it just shows two guys making out. Uh, and it appears to be filmed with like a camcorder, like a cheap ad. <laughs> oh, that's that hot. CBS would take anyway. But <laughs> I don't see why they won't take the gay ad. And, and <laughs> it's going to take this ad that we haven't seen. Nobody knows what it looks like. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's just driving me crazy to listen to these idiots but play this thing again Sorry. the ad has not been publicly shown but it's said to show the mother of college football star tim tebow talking about her choice to continue her pregnancy in 1987 against medical advice of her doctor the website daily beast reported cbs worked with focus on the family on the ad's script gary schneeberger a spokesperson for focus on the family said quote there okay, were discussions so th- this is actually, I should have played an earlier clip where she says that apparently the ad was presented to CBS and CBS says, no, you can't, you can't uh, do this. You can't say that. You can't say this. And you, so they made, they made, they, they censored the ad somewhat. So it would, wouldn't be a, a pro- provocative ad. But if you'd listen to the Daily Beast and their CBS helped them write the ad. Oh, hey, really? you know, when, some, when you give something to a publisher and they say, this has got to go, you can't use it. That's not helping you write no, the ad. Censorship. So you know, let's get us let's get the story straight. You either you, helping you helping you write the ad is not the same as censoring it. Anyway, sorry. Go on. About the specific wording of the spot, and we came to a compromise. Well, Planned Parenthood responded to the Tebow ad by producing this online video featuring former NFL player Sean James and the Olympic gold medalist Al Joyner. I'm Sean James. I'm a former college and professional football player. Now you can stop it. So they, uh, they apparently there's a Planned Parenthood ad in, in to rebuke the other unseen ad. They have the Planned Parenthood person on, and uh, they'll have play that clip. They're going to rebuke it. They, they got their own ad. So then Amy starts asking the woman. Uh, I'm trying to get this so we don't have to listen to these long clips. She asked the woman, "Well, have you ever seen the ad? No, no, I've never seen the other ad. Uh, are you going to run this ad on the Super Bowl?" And the, she says, no, we can't afford running around on the Super Bowl. So what is the point? Just, Does well, anyone have a clue here what the point is? Yeah, just to, to, to rile people up and get some free marketing, trying to get it to go viral. That's the only thing I see. It was not going anywhere because it's boring. Play Sports Writer Part 2. 
Okay. Than it was 20 years ago. A lot of people watch just to see the commercials. And for this, for CBS to give an organization like Focus on the Family, that kind of viewership to me is beneath contempt. And I think Planned Parenthood should have equal time on Super Bowl Sunday and should not have to spend one dime to have it. Uh, what's your response? I love that idea. I think that's, uh, I think that'd be an, uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Hey, how, what, how can't we just see Janet Jackson's nipple again? That was cool. You know, Here's a, here's a couple more points. This is definitely a pet peeve moment. These people on this show, none of them are interested in football whatsoever. The sports writer who wrote The People's History of Sports, which is a takeoff on the Zinn book, The People's History of the United States, which is kind of a socialist tome. I doubt if he even, he may watch the game. The women sure aren't interested. Nobody who watches Democracy Now! probably watches football. I mean, the 25 viewers that they have. Or whatever. Uh, the whole thing is like a, a tempest in a teapot. They're just making a big stink about this over something they've sight unseen. I mean, it's a, the most hypocritical thing. And then this guy comes off the well, they should give the, the in a socialist manner, I might add, says, well, if they're going to let them run that, then we need equal time. And the Planned Parenthood ad should run to, to counter it, even though they don't know what this ad is or what it says. I mean, it just galls me. This show, the people who produce it and their attitude about things is just, they're the ones who are beneath contempt. John C. Dvorak, pet peeve of the day. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, I am going to watch the game, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I I like watching the game. It's great television. I always like to see what the directors are doing. It's it's high-tech stuff. And then yeah, the ads, there's, there's, sometimes the ads are interesting, but I watch for the, the technical aspect of, of the television show. And HD, I haven't seen a Super Bowl in HD ever. I'm very excited oh. about that. Yeah, that's cool. It's a lot better. Yeah, of course. Uh, but all that other crap is just that. It's crap. It's crap. Let's have a little uh, break, uh, John, from uh, the Cleveland show. I thought you were shipped off to the Middle East. I was, but I heard you were in trouble, so I raided a Blackwater operative and stole his 250 pounds of Afghani heroin. The best heroin in the world. (laughs) Those guys are writing some good shit over there on the Cleveland show. (laughs) The best heroin in the world. I mean, come on. Are they they listening to No Agenda or what? They've got to be. Somebody's reading the news. (laughs) I think the Cleveland show isn't doing too well in the ratings, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Slipping that one in, nice. Very yeah, well, nice. actually, there was one that was done on the uh, on American Dad that was very similar. Well, that's the uh, one we played last week, which was the crack yeah. one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for listening. <laughs> well, you know, I, I ten minutes after the show's over, I'm out of here. You're kind of I check out. out. Yeah, then you're like, okay, let I need to concentrate on the Nexus for Leo's show. I know what's going on. I'm not doing Leo Show today. I'm watching a football game. Hey, you have the gay ad here. Don't I spo- am I supposed to play that? Yeah, or? you can play that if you want to. What is is this? Is this the actual gay ad? Yeah. Oh, cool. But this is the one with the camcorder. It, it's just a poorly produced ad. Okay. And, and most of it's music, but play it. To uh, yeah, look please. at an ad that the that CBS did not accept. Uh, CBS accepted the Focus on the Family ad for the Super Bowl, and the Daily Beast says they helped write it. Listen to how she's talking. <laughs> Because I'm so above everything. <laughs> uh, helped perfect the script. But CBS refused to air this ad from mancrunch.com, an online dating site for. I think I subscribe to that. Gay men.
audience the ad ends with a scene of two male football fans kissing in a statement uh, you know when uh, the for the first two years that i heard uh, purple haze by Jimi hendrix i swear to god i thought it was singing excuse me while i kiss this guy that's funny because it, it because the, the, what, what's funny but i saw hendrix played numerous times and what's funny is that it says i want to kiss the sky yeah but when he performed it live he, he would always it. point to the uh, bass player, point to the bass player and say, "Kiss this guy." Really? Yeah, yeah. every time it was, all, and it would, he'd laugh. He thought that was so humorous. Okay, <laughs> so I wasn't that off anyway. Hmm. No. Hmm. Um. Commercial interruptions, John, is one thing we don't believe here and here on uh, No Agenda, and uh, I'd like to talk about that. Actually, I'd like you to talk about it for a moment. Well, this this is our our when, when we ask for donations, you know, the one of the things that that keeps cropping up is, uh, and I want to get to the people who gave us money this last uh, round. One of the things that keeps cropping up is people saying, "Well, you know, if you had what difference does it make if you have commercials? You know, because you, you have commercials on other things you do. You do this, you do that. You, uh, you, you know, Mevio. We got pre rolls on some of our videos. Oh, yeah. route By the way, let, let me just say um, the Bush Haiti Fund dot org uh, pre rolls and banners that show up next to our show. We have nothing to do with." <laughs> I think they're scanning our show notes and thinking, here's how the ad networks work. Oh, there's a link here to the bushhadyfund.org. I think I shall put a banner up next to this show. This will be really yeah. good, which, of course, is not so good. We were running a story on the Dvorak Uncensored site once about the crazy Muslim cab driver that refused to pick up anybody if they're buying bacon, for example. Yeah. And so it was just a very nasty piece about these idiots, uh, cab drivers, uh, that were happened to be Muslim, and that's why they wouldn't pit, let bacon in their car. And then so the Muslim dating service thing shows up <laughs> <laughs> on the cool. on the Google ads. Cool, cool. So they don't seem to understand the negative, how to do negative stuff. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to do, make a plea for, because we're always, you know, asking for donations. But I, I want, you know, we try to we get people to give us a leftover PayPal account, or you know, various amounts of money based on something or other. But we ha we haven't done this one, and I think it's an, it's something people out there should think about. And this is why we don't run ads. If it, the typical ad ratio, and we've talked about this before on broadcast media, is two to one. You get two minutes of programming for one minute of ad advertising yeah. and i'm um, surprised is that good C certainly on am radio oh am is probably worse and but this is but even television it's two to one because every hour is 40 minutes worth of programming every half hour is 20 yeah you're right and so so we do it basically a two-hour show with that ratio that would mean to get our show finished it would take you three hours i don't care how much fooling around you think you can do by moving the little thing you know somehow and getting rid of the ads the ads would be embedded they'd be very difficult to get rid of it's not as easy as it is on tv so essentially what we're doing in doing a straight two-hour show instead of three hours which it would take to do the ads and pay for the show the way you know everybody some people have recommended is we're saving you an hour of your time yeah what's that worth to you huh now an hour of most people's time especially our listeners is probably 
the low end is typically not with everybody because we have a lot of students. Well, let's, and, why don't we just take minimum wage in California? Well, that would be ten bucks. The nine ninety seven to be exact. Nine ninety seven be good, but most for most people, their hours of their time is worth about one hundred and fifty dollars. Really? Yeah. Wow. Think about it now. So if you if we're we're essentially saving you one hundred and fifty dollars if your time is worth anything, then be hooker uh, prices. You should figure John. out what your time's worth and send us a donation for that time because we're in fact saving you that money and we could use that money. As opposed to like wasting your time with excessive amounts of advertising, which is just ridiculous in a show like this. Which I don't believe really works anyway. It doesn't work anymore. I mean, I just got to come out and say it. The only thing that works is repetitive ads that are just in your face all the time. That works. But any other, and maybe, maybe from time to time, a really clever ad like uh, the Apple uh, PC ads. Everything else, it's just mind control and programming, and I'm against that. And it doesn't really doesn't really make you endear a product. And I think we really try. I've tried for five years trying to change advertising. I'm freaking tired of it. I don't care. It just doesn't work. So, so I think, think that, about I think the that, hour. That's a very that's good analogy. Saying, give us an hour of your time. Yeah, whatever we'll... your time's worth. Whatever your time's worth. Now, for the uh, hookers out there who listen to the show, uh, you're going to be spending, I mean, uh, let me see. An out call is, uh, what does out call these days go for, John? About $450? No, I think if you shop around, you can go for about two fifty. <laughs> You're reliably informed. <laughs> I like it. All right, please uh, consider us because um, we got a lot of plans for this year. Uh, I'd like to actually, I'd like to talk about one of the plans that we're instigating on Monday. Um, we're sending out our first email to all of the producers who have uh, helped us out uh, up to date. Is that it? Yeah, the ones up to, well, if it's somebody, you know, as of tomorrow, anyone who's helped us out will get this letter tomorrow at 9 a.m. in their box. Um, and what it's going to do is we're going to discuss the uh, the future of the show, where we're going with it, the future of the No Agenda stream in particular, and uh, and some other initiatives and just some promotions and other things we want to do, or, or the money we, we're going to need for some of the things we're going to do, which includes buying airtime, because we want to put this on uh, on some AM stations. But in that case, you have to buy the entire hour, because we don't want any, we're not doing We don't want interruptions, and, yeah. We don't want a bunch of interruptions, and that's going to cost money, and we're going to, we discussed this in the letter, uh, which you'll be getting tomorrow anyone who's uh, who's donated I think up to uh, tonight but let me uh, go over the donors for this week by the way well we got well we're on the topic Daniel Howe, first of all we had a lot of fifty dollar ones so I'm just gonna name them off Daniel Howe's in uh, Portland Maine uh, uh, we have our our, our night guys coming up uh tristan uh, lennon mike westerfield john trainer and travis Wynn. and the only reason i want to mention them so i can say wagga wagga which is where Tristan's <laughs> from. Reinhard Kane, uh, Wind River Systems, actually. He's in Salzburg, Austria, which is a, a, just a gorgeous town to visit, uh, and I'd recommend it to anybody. Uh, Kohai Zama in Tokyo, Japan. Paul Heldens in Horst, Netherlands. And he wants me to read, I, JCD, out of my own free will, hereby declare the people on IRC are all very balanced individuals and not at all bipolar. And they are all members of the No Agenda Militia, and we are proud to have them. And many of them are showing their butt crack in their long, flowing locks and will actually save your sorry ass when the man comes down on you. 
Tegan Murray in Calgary, Alberta, which gave us a palindrome 5005, and he has no job. He, he says, okay, well, let's try this out. I'm going to give you 50 bucks if I get a job. But he also requests that we never play the Miley Cyrus clip ever again. <laughs> okay, done. Consider uh, it done, my friend. Uh, we got uh, $66.66 from Kyle Coke who is in Cincinnati and wants us to plug scandoc.com, which is a very interesting product, by the way. I would yeah, actually... Go- I, I, I like that. It's like it's like an old-fashioned... Uh, it's like made of wood, right? Yeah, it's for putting your uh, little uh, cell phone on so you can scan documents. Get yeah, it? Scandoc, it's a pun. I, I, I liked it. It was. It's like a real low-tech solution, and uh, it was very nice. Yeah, I thought it was good. And it's actually, the- he, he put in two donations, right? Thirty-three, thirty-three for the scan doc, and then thirty. Uh, actually, he's yeah, also going to he's going to donate, and he's going to donate three dollars and thirty-three cents for the sale of every scan doc. Yeah, so if you buy a scan doc, you're helping us out. Uh, Ryan Breedlove, also uh, Armory, Mississippi, sixty-six dot sixty-six, and he's promoting the uh, March third. Uh, he wants us to push the March third uh, money-making idea. One hundred four dollars from Troy Dallas of Love Grove Drive, and then. Uh, we have our our uh, executive producers, Pelsmockers, Stephen Pelsmockers, John Kilburn, Chris Schooler, and uh, Elon Shemis, and that's what we got this week. So, um, so anyone, uh, when you're considering sending in money for your time, please also consider joining one of our regular subscription programs because that's really the base that we have to go after long term. Uh, if, cause we can't just live on these, you know, this ebb and flow of donations. One week it's good, one week it's okay, then it's really, really bad. And by the way, it, it, it kind of goes in that flow. You know, it's like, oh, we had a great week, then the next week we get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, yeah, no, that's happened a couple of times. It's, uh, it's rather, uh, rather frustrating. Um, and we still want to move to that third show a week. And I really want to do it in 2010. It would really be nice. I mean, I'm making the changes I promised. Uh, the Delta Sierra is now officially up for sale, uh, and I'm going to need that for uh, the changes I'm making. In fact, within the next two weeks, you will hear a change in command center and all kinds of uh, interesting things I'm just not ready to talk about right now uh, because, you know, the NES is all over the Googles. Uh, the NSA, sorry. Um, what, the NES? NAS. I don't know where that came from. The NAS. Uh-huh. NAS is a rapper. <clears throat> so uh, I've been listening to too much hip hop. And anyway, if anybody doesn't get, who's get, uh, contributed doesn't get that letter tomorrow at nine a.m. Uh, or check your spam box; it could be show up in there, if, or or let us know. And if people I, if people contribute today, will they still get will they still get the letter? Yeah, I'll make sure that they get on there on the list. Okay, so so what, what, the whole thing that we've actually found is that there is it's a percentage. It's uh, and, we're, and we're trying to work out exactly what, but it's like one percent of the people who listen to the show actually donate. One percent. That means in the chat room, you know, there's about three hundred and ninety-eight of you who are just in there enjoying the show and not contributing. I'm just saying. So go to noagendashow.com, dot org slash na. 
or channeldvorak.com slash NA. That's no agenda show, org slash NA, channeldvorak.com slash NA, and help us out for this next week. And uh, the rest, and the people who, and you also, uh, we'll, we'll start doing it. Since I got the mailing list thing all figured out now, because I'm, and I'm using MailChimp for anybody out there who wants to know. I've looked at all the other ones and I figured this is a, one of the best solutions. It's very, actually pretty cool. And, uh, uh, we will be doing a newsletter, so if you've given, uh, or I, we'll probably create a special mailing list for anybody who wants a newsletter. I'm not, I don't have to limit that to any group of people. Um, I, I think we need to open up a new topic since uh, this seems to be uh, a continuous movement. Shysters show up and take advantage of people's goodwill and generosity. We just need cash. I know a lot of people want to send blankets or water. Just send your cash. So we have a lot of, uh, actually, I'm amazed. I have spoken to more PhDs and professors in, during the, the lifetime of this show than in my lifetime. You know, I'm not, I'm not a huge academic, but I get professors. I get really incredibly intelligent, interesting people who listen to this program, are sharing it with others, which, by the way, gosh, if you can't donate, please turn a couple people on to the show. I mean, growing our audience is always going to help. And we have a lot of people in the um, nonprofit sector listening as well. And I got this link, which just blew me away, from the Better Business Bureau, BBB.org. It did a re- so it, it, it also reviews charities. And it reviewed the William J. Clinton Foundation. And uh, this link will be in the show notes, as is everything that we discuss on No Agenda. Uh, it'll be on noagendashow.com. And uh, I, I just have to read some of the um, conclusions that they've made about the William J. Clinton Foundation. Now, again, the Clinton Bush uh, Haiti Fund.org does not exist. The money that is being collected by this foundation is there is no foundation. It goes into Clinton's foundation and this uh, <clears throat> crazy Texas thing that uh, George Bush is a part of. Collectively, they have a billion dollars in assets and they've got huge salaries. So here's the uh, evaluation conclusions. <clears throat> Standard one, oversight of operations and staff. The foundation does not meet this standard because its board of directors does not, A, approve the organization's budget, B, receive information about the financial arrangements, C, have a voting member of the board who is assigned the responsibility of serving as the treasurer. In general, the board's treasurer helps provide independent oversight of the organization's finances. So fail one. Standard number two. Number of board members. Soliciting organizations shall have a board of directors with minimum of five voting members. The foundation does not meet this standard because the organization has three voting members. Standard number three. Hold on a second. This is the Clinton deal? This is the Clinton Foundation. Uh, there's Who more. Are the three? Well, I think it's Bill, Hillary, and uh, Chelsea. George. It's Chelsea. <laughs> uh, I don't have that doc open. We'll find out. Go on. Standard three. Frequency and attendance of board meetings. An organization shall have a minimum of three evenly spaced meetings per year. The found, uh, according to BBB, the foundation does not meet this standard because the board of directors held no board meetings in the last year. Standard four, compensated board members, not more than one or 10%, whichever is greater, directly or indirectly compensated persons serving as voting members of the board. Compensated members shall not serve as the board's chair or treasurer. 
The Better Bureau Business says the foundation does not meet this standard because the paid chief executive also serves as the chair of the board of directors. That would be Bill. Wait, 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 hold on a second. <laughs> There's more to come. <laughs> this more. is the Clinton Foundation we're the, talking about? Yes, and this is the Better Bureau, Business Bureau. These guys, this is the guys you, you call when you want to check on doing business with somebody. <laughs> okay, go on. Standard number seven. Board approval of written report of effectiveness. Submit to the organization or the organization's governing body for its approval a written report that outlines the results of the aforementioned performance. BBB says the foundation does not meet this standard because it has not conducted an organizational effectiveness assessment in the past two years. Standard 16. Annual report. Have an annual report available to all on request that includes the organization's mission statement, a summary of the past year's program service accomplishments, a roster of the officers and board members of the board of directors, financial information that includes total income in the past fiscal year, expenses in the same program, fundraising and administrative categories as in the financial statements and ending net assets. Better Bureau Business says the foundation does not meet the standard because the most recent annual report did not include a roster of the board of the directors and end of year net assets. And standard 17, website disclosures. Include on any charity websites that solicit contributions the same information that is recommended for annual reports, as well as the mailing address of the charity and electronic access to the most recent IRS Form 990. BBB says the foundation does not meet this standard because the organization's website, clintonfoundation.org, does not include all of the recommended information for those charity websites that solicit for donations. Specifically, it does not include a roster of the board of directors. The William J. Clinton Foundation, however, does meet the remaining 13 standards for charity accountability. So, um, can we say fail? Well, it doesn't sound right. Uh, so what are the, the way, 13 that they meet? Uh, I can look at them. Uh, by the way, total income for the past year, $132 million. They, wait a minute. They got, they, you see, this is what people were worried about in the Democrat Party about, about Hillary. And one of the reasons that it was probably okay for her to run, to not run for anything. Uh, uh, they were afraid, there's at least some people were afraid that if they put her in and they, somebody started looking, probing this, this, this sump fund or whatever you want to call it that bill has that it calls a foundation and they're going to find a lot of arab money a quid pro quo crash uh, cash that came in because he did somebody a favor probably a ton of money from mark rich that that crooked guy who was uh, given a pardon at the very last minute just before clinton left office uh and there's probably a lot of crazy money in there from you know which is just 100 percent corrupt i mean i mean clinton is a poor boy from arkansas and now he's a you know a close to being a billionaire just because he was president something's wrong yeah and he's taking your money yeah and for haiti don't send us blankets send us cash i have two more things on haiti uh of course we spoke about the crazy scientologist showing up with those yellow t-shirts that said like scientology healing minister and was freaking everybody out because they were like you know touching them and, and <laughs> trying to heal them <laughs> so how did they get there? Well, John Travolta flew his jet down there filled with these yellow T-shirted maggots. And there's a video, which I will share a little bit, as they interviewed John Travolta on the tarmac of Port-au-Prince Airport in Haiti with his uh, 707, I think it's 727. 
I think he's actually surprised to see the press. To actually help make a difference in the situation in Haiti, and I just can't, you know, see not using this plane to help. And they're offloading boxes of, they seem pretty light. I think there's t-shirts in the boxes, actually. You know, it's uh, not unlike when I saw, you know, my wife and I saw New Orleans. We were there uh, right away with this airplane. Because You've got to see this video. It's freaky to see all the yellow shirts in the background, and they're all, like, huddled around him. So, you know, what, you know, I, I, I appreciate, I've been a fan of John Travolta, but get your plane off the tarmac. Just get it, get it off. Let some real help in. Yeah, they, they blocked all kinds of people from landing. So, um, you know, John, you're a real big fan of comparing news stories, right? Uh, yeah, because you can twist the uh, same exact story to make have it mean one thing or another just by varying the headline. So I was uh, from Sweden, I believe. Let me double check. Maybe it was from Denmark. Looks like a Danish article, but I think someone in Sweden sent it to me. So there's two articles. One is from The Guardian, the communist newspaper of Gitmo Nation East. And it's about these... Um, about the surgical work that is being done in the Haitian hospitals in Port-au-Prince, where they are amputating people just left and right. In fact, they're calling it um, war surgery, says Dr. George Booten, a 73-year-old surgeon from Fort Lauderdale, guillotine style. Um, and you know, so he's blaming it on uh, no facilities, and it's uh, you know we we really can't work, and you know it's uh, we we just got to chop everybody's limbs off, chop 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 chop, and it's horrible because everyone's been maimed, so they are just amputating people all over the place. So you got to read that article first, and then you go to this, and it's, I have a Google translation where Doctors Without Borders. The, the French outfit, who I hold in high regard, are furious about what the American doctors are doing. And they're saying, this is crazy. These guys are just chopping everybody's limb off. And the only reason why is because the American doctors who are there apparently don't feel that it's worth the effort to save these limbs because, ah, you know, we won't have any, we won't have any uh, support for them anyway. We won't be able to really maintain uh, their health, so uh, we might as well just chop it all off. So they're, they're amputating, and they use the same thing, guillotine amputations, for no reason. Other than the doctors are making these decisions saying, yeah, you know, it's like we're not going to stick around to actually help these people, so we'll just chop it off. It'll be easier for them. God, this is like gross. It's extremely gross and it's sickening. And there, and uh, so this uh, person who was blowing the whistle is very afraid. Uh, he doesn't want to doesn't want to give his name. He says, you know, I, I uh, what does it says? Uh, I, you know, I, I really don't want there to be this huge dispute. He thinks it could really blow up if people knew what was really going on. Um. But it's sitting here, this frustration in the French ranks, growing by the fact that many of the American surgeons just chop off the limbs and then leave. They don't want to oversee the patients. They don't want to help anybody through, uh, through care. That's why just chop it off. We're done. Where a lot of these limbs could be saved. Freaky.
It's terrible. I mean, this kind of story is annoying. Well, maybe even more annoying from the uh, two-to-the-head category. Phil Jones, this is the, uh, the scientist who's right at the center of uh, the Climate Gate scandal. Yeah, he's one of the big uh, original promoters. Yeah. He says, I love this article, he, has, he contemplated suicide. Why? Professor, Professor, well, Professor Phil Jones said in an exclusive interview with the Sunday Times, he thought about killing himself several times. He acknowledged... <laughs> wait, wait, how, how can you kill yourself several times? Well, you know, these guys are good. He acknowledged similarities to Dr. David Kelly. This is what I found interesting. The scientist who committed suicide after being exposed as the source for a BBC report that alleged the government had sexed up evidence to justify the evasion of Iraq, which is a lie, times. What happened is he was a weapons inspector and he knew what was going on and it was all bullcrap. And then they suicided him with a butter knife and aspirin. So um, he's saying, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's taken a severe toll on my health. He's lost you know, like eight pounds. Um, I stand here. You know, he defends his unit science. I stand by it. But now I, I accept that he accepts that he did not treat the freedom of information request for the data as seriously as he should have done. Jones believes the unit was maliciously targeted with multiple freedom of information requests by climate change skeptics determined to disrupt his incredibly important work. Science! Science! So, um, I just, I found the uh, connection to Dr. David Kelly interesting because this is a setup and it wouldn't surprise me if this guy winds up dead. And it won't be, it'll, it'll be two to the head for sure. It's a well, that will get the sympathy vote and put people back on the climate change bandwagon. And, and, the, and they've got to shut this guy up. If he cracks, then it's all over. Yeah, he sounds like he's about to crack. There was another two-to-the-head story, which uh, I got a little mention, just a teeny one in, the I think, the New York Post. Um, Gigi Jordan who is an executive for the farmers and it's very on the, the, the reporting is so sketchy. It's not funny. I'm actually looking for the proper uh, article here. Uh, Gigi Jordan uh, killed her son in the peninsula hotel in New York. Now she's doing like, she's worth like a hundred million dollars and she's been running pharmaceutical uh, companies and uh, she checked in with her five-year-old son and they apparently killed him with uh, a whole bunch of meds, and she was uh, going to kill herself. And she sent an email to a family member and said, uh, I'm, I'm checking out. Email. Of course, you never know that's really from the person who, was, uh, who looks like the, uh, the, the person sending it. But what's interesting in the story is that uh, in her uh, so-called suicide email, she says, uh, there are documents on my laptop that will explain why. So I'm thinking pharmaceutical industry, I'm thinking suicide, I'm thinking why does someone who is worth $100 million, why are you going to kill yourself and your son? What is going on and what is with these documents on the laptop? Jeez, it sounds like a law and order plot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of law and order, 
or television uh, plots. Uh, is the, have you ever seen the show Fringe, John? Yeah. Yep. Because uh, I, I know it's on in the UK. It's another J.J. Abrams uh, style crazy show. I've watched it on and off. I, it's very enjoyable from the cr- complete crackpot perspective. They got the crazy guys in there. It's actually kind of interesting. But this, it's, it's very much like Lost. It's like, you know, a story that you can't follow and it's kind of just it's disturbing. And I, it's not really very good entertainment. It's just mostly just, I don't know, I don't care for it. How about mind control? <laughs> Maybe that's what its in, intended use is. It might be. A lot I of just pe- can't watch it. Well, a lot. Well, you, you know what? It may be more fun when you listen to it because then, of course, you hear the horrible acting. <laughs> I love listening. Now, ever since we've stumbled <laughs> onto this factoid, it's actually more interesting it now is. to listen to it. So there's like a, an earthquake, and of course, there's an, expl- an explanation as to why the earthquake has taken place. And uh, it's about a minute long clip. I'll, I'll play all of it so you can hear some of the bad acting. It's kind of fun. It's going to be a late one. <laughs> Wait a second. Is that, is that real coffee? Where did you get that? Is that real coffee? Where did you get that? I don't know. I have my sources. Uh-huh. I got a cousin in Hawaii. She has a secret stash. She sends me stuff every day. All right, so now the building's shaking. This is getting nuts. What is that, six since yesterday? Yeah, well, I'm from California, so I'm used to it, you know? But this is New York. Don't you think it's strange? <laughs> so there's an earthquake. The lights are dimming. The building's rocking. But this is New York. Don't you think that's strange, John? <laughs> don't, John don't do you think that's strange? And then just you know, keep walking. And by the way, the coffee, just holding it. No problem. What are they saying on the news? That they're just these little quakes, you know, microquakes. Probably just some byproduct of global warming. Ah, there we go. Oh, brother. <laughs> Microquakes, a byproduct of global warming. The science is in. Science. <laughs> While we know, of course, that earthquakes are actually caused by earthquake machines, and I have yet more evidence of this, my friends. Another document uh, has surfaced, very important to um, solidify my theory that um, many of these Anomalies in weather, climate, and uh, actual geophysical shifts are being done by, uh, are being created by military and government command. And let's, we, we might as well remind them of another crackpot thing you said, which is they, they're going to they're gonna direct one at Iran so we can keep them from bombing uh, Israel. Yes, because it's much, much easier to earthquake a country and then to walk right in, like they did with Burma not too long ago. So anyway, um, I have uh, showed you testimony uh, where these earthquake machines have been mentioned. Now I take you back to 1977. Uh, This is from the United Nations. It's a United Nations document. You can find it in the show notes at noagendashow.com. It is the convention. Uh, This is always interesting when you have uh, these agreements. You have conventions. You have protocols. All these documents are just distributed all over the place, very much like the Lisbon Treaty. 
is the Convention on the Prohibition of Military or Any Other Hostile Use of Environmental Modification Techniques. So this is the agreement uh, between nations in the United Nations basically not to earthquake each other. And uh, I will read the relevant uh, article, uh, understanding relating to Article 2 and Article 2. You have to go back and forth. You have to be a lawyer to read this stuff. Uh, the term environmental modification techniques refers to any technique for changing through de the deliberate manipulation of natural processes, the dynamics, composition, or structure of the earth, including its biota, lithosphere, hydrosphere, and atmosphere, or of outer space. So now we scroll back down and we read the understanding relating to Article 2. It is the understanding of the committee that the following examples are illustrative of phenomenon that could be caused by the use of environmental modification techniques as defined in Article 2 of the Convention. Earthquakes, tsunamis, an upset in ecological balance of a region, changes in weather patterns, clouds, precipitation, cyclones of various types, and tornadic storms, changes in climate patterns, changes in ocean currents, changes in the state of the ozone layer, and changes in the state of the ionosphere. It is further understood that all the phenomenon listed above, when produced by military or any other hostile use of environmental modification techniques, would result or could be reasonably be expected to result in widespread, long-lasting or severe destruction, damage, or industry. Does that not kind of tell you that they knew about this and that it was possible in 1977? <clears throat> uh, you know, these kinds of documents that you keep digging up about, this is kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. So, you know, what's interesting, though, is I was thinking about this kind of dorky idea when uh, the news unit, apparently Washington, D.C. is just being slammed. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, we got one of our Homeland Security sources, Deep Throat. He said that there was a, uh, a more, no, no, more or less a memo to keep the horrible weather quiet because they didn't want people panicking. They said they kept it real quiet, and there was no real warning. This is the worst storm in, what, 30 years? Yeah, it's a whopper. It shut down the government. It's a blizzard. And, and it's barely being reported on. Well, it was reported on. I saw it on TV. But yeah, but there was, you know, our guy sent us this memo three days before the storm hit. Three days. And we didn't, of course, it was on the day after we did our last show, so we didn't have time to report on it. And he said, wow, you know, uh, I'm hearing that uh, these guys want to keep it quiet. They won't, don't want people freaking out. They're going to shut down the government. And, of course, uh, uh, the government has been shut down, I believe. The Capitol. Yeah. They've shut it down. But you can't get there. I mean, you know. Here's an interesting story that just came over the transom. <laughs> NASA will study Haiti's earthquake faults with a series of overflights by a jet equipped with a special airborne radar system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're looking for oil. Well, they have to be careful. You know, the, the oil, it looks like it may be offshore. So they're going to have to deal with these with the fault that they, by your theory, have, have screwed up and have to, because uh, you don't want to build a really expensive uh, platform and have the thing get knocked around. Hmm. And they're still having aftershocks there between five and six on the Richter scale, which... At least that's the, what the reports are. That would make sense. Things got to, you know, once you get a big quickly, that everything's got to adjust. Um, so uh, Ravi Shankar Uchabi, I mean, uh, what's his name? Rajendra Pachauri, 
the head of the UN's international <laughs> panel on climate change. Well, that guy, that corrupt-looking guy. Well, he, he, of course he's corrupt. He told the Financial Times on Wednesday that he, of course, has been the victim of a carefully orchestrated campaign to block climate change legislation. And who is behind it all, John? Is it Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak who are deniers? No! <coughs> I would say that they are nefarious designs behind people trying to attack me with lies and falsehoods. Climate change skeptics are people who deny the link between smoking and cancer. They are people who say that asbestos is as good as talcum powder. I hope they apply the asbestos to their faces every day. What, I, is he clinically insane? <laughs> he does look like... He does look like he's pretty insane, doesn't he? He looks like Sven Gali. He's a horrible-looking person. But can you believe that? This is like... The people who say asbestos is as good as talcum powder... John, uh, I can't recall mentioning that on this show. <laughs> it's people who say eating babies is a good thing and killing puppies. I'm telling you, like, it, could the guy be any more on the defensive? Doesn't that just just reek of, of guilt? Yeah, it's like the shyster's comment. Yeah, it really is. And um, I'd like to follow up on uh, Stevia. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, well, it's interesting because, you know, our producer over there, Alex, in the UK, uh, he was he said, look, there's some kind of uh, artificial crisis being created in sugar. And then also the sugar. So sugar is almost uh, uh, unaffordable at, at the big, you know, the prices are going to go sky high of sugar. Whoops. In pop stevia, all of a sudden approved to be used. By the way, what you'll be seeing in Coca-Cola is a hybridized form uh -huh. of stevia. Which, uh, well, we all know what that means, don't we? Yeah. It means it's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Monsanto. And I was looking at, because uh, the FDA wouldn't approve this for the longest time. And I was looking at some of those earlier reports from the FDA. And here's what they said. Uh, cancer in the laboratory. Uh, now, this is a, a derivative of stevia. It's steviol. Steviol can be converted into a mutagenic compound which may promote cancer by causing mutations in the cell's genetic material. Energy metabolism. Very large amounts of steviocide can interfere with the absorption of carbohydrates in animals and disrupt the conversion of food into energy within cells. But the most interesting is reproductive problems. It seems to affect the male reproductive organ system. And when I look at all the eugenicist movement, I'm thinking, this is perfect. We create this horrible crisis in sugar. We bring in the stevia products so that we can't reproduce. Bada-bing. And there's our crackpot theory of the day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. That's what you're paying good money for. Now, you call me a crackpot, but I don't trust it. Besides that, you say the stuff tastes like crap. It tastes like crap. Now, somebody <laughs> says, well, you know, it tastes like licorice, and I don't like licorice, and so I don't think it tastes that good. Hey, I love licorice, and it tastes like crap, okay? Mm. 
Um, so this stuff is going to be a huge disappointment. I'm telling you, if they, if they, if Coca-Cola comes out with this stuff and it tastes like like normal Coke, tastes sweetened like it was sugar, then something's up. Because you can go down to the health food store right now and get some stevia liquid little dropper, and you can drop some stevia in your tea or coffee or whatever you want to mix with it. And and you tell me, uh, producers and listeners. You tell me it doesn't taste like crap. It is terrible. It doesn't taste anything like sugar. It has a kind of a, it's reminiscent of sugar. That's the best I can say for it. Anyway, Alex, uh, who is a commodities trader, um, is now on to the next uh, deal. So he probably made a bundle off of the sugar thing and the stevia. Guy's really smart. I love him for it. He says coffee is next. They're all over coffee. Coffee shortages. The prices haven't gone up yet, but they're about to skyrocket. So I suspect uh, to see a new Monsanto bean coming up pretty pretty quick. Something yeah, they're gonna have, yeah. Well, they're gonna have trouble pushing because most coffee is grown out in the middle of nowhere. I'm sorry, didn't mean to do that. What was that? It was my uh, my coffee jingle. I'm sorry. Oh, hit it. Best part of waking up is fluoride in my cup. <laughs> So, okay. So what was that new jingle somebody sent us? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It's kind of a staple for us. Can you can you play that with hit people in the mouth like on top of it? Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's not bad. You should make that like that. You use that as a mix-up. <laughs> I can use it for the next pre-stream show. Yeah, that's not bad. I like it. Yeah. Are uh, you got anything else, Johnny Boy? Uh, let's see. I got my little list here. I see. There's this. Uh, Before you go, eat your notes. Todd Taylor. We did that. Oh, I do have a little thing here. Sex. Um, oh, wait, I got one. I got one. Okay. So some, of course, we do this on the on the Dvorak.org slash blog all the time, these stories. So some little nine-year-old came into school with a small two-inch-long toy plastic gun, you know, the kind you have with the little soldier sets. Oh, we got to waterboard that freak. And the little kids go, <laughs> and they <laughs> yeah. shoot the little, the little right. things back and forth. So he was suspended from school for bringing a weapon to, to school. It's a little plastic gun. <laughs> it was suspended from school. They didn't didn't they waterboard him? I'm sure they wanted to. <laughs> With an Evian bottle? <laughs> suspended from school. The mom oh. is just completely livid. Yeah, you wonder why. <laughs> All right, and then uh, here's something to look forward to for the week. Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Sorry I butchered your name, dude says the nation will deliver, quote, a harsh blow to the global arrogance on this year's anniversary of the Islamic Revolution, February 11th. A harsh blow will be dealt. I can what does that mean? I know what it means. Hello, I am Mahmoud Damidijat. A harsh blow will be dealt to the arrogance of the globals. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. I think it's going to go out and hit people in the mouth. I would like to find out what this is. It sounds to me maybe he's just going to give another speech. Well, you know what? We're going to find out February 11th. 
which is uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah. No, that's the 14th, John. Oh. Please don't go to the restaurant on the 11th and say, I want to have sex now in the bathroom. Please, please. It'll be the wrong day. I think they want you to have sex in that bathroom all the time. I, you know, I was up in, I go up to Canada just enough. They have a lot of restaurants in Canada that have unisex bathrooms. Well, that's really cool. Can we, picture at 11. <laughs> I, can, I just got a visual of you having sex in the bathroom, and it's not pretty. That depends. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> no matter what you say. All right, I will be watching the game for the uh, technical aspects. Uh, technical aspects of the television program. Who's playing actually this year? Take no, who's playing? I really don't know. Yeah, it it's, doesn't surprise me. Uh, well, what's actually interesting about this game? There's two teams that are playing that are both could have both gone undefeated the entire year, and we'd have two undefeated teams playing against each other. But it didn't work out because they screwed up at the end. But the uh, for one thing, the one team is the New Orleans Saints, which is the first time they've ever even been to the playoffs or, or, or the championship game, let alone the Super Bowl. So they're going to be a nervous wreck. But when you see this team play, they're they're phenomenal when they're playing at their game. But they can also be beaten. And the other team is the team that's already won one 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 Super Bowl. That was a tough one. I don't know why. But anyway, they've already won once. And it's got the it, both these and he's got the great quarterback, Peyton Manning. You have Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, these two quarterbacks. This is what you want to watch. These guys are What's the, most the team? I just want to know the teams. The Colts and the Saints. Thank you. Your answer could have been that succinct. I don't so let's care. Go back, but, but you, you got it. You're going to be watching this again. Let me give you a tip. These two quarterbacks are the most pinpoint accurate guys. There's a few others that are pretty pinpoint, but these guys are astonishing, and it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be mostly passing, and uh, it should be a high scoring. But okay. you never know. Sometimes you think it's high scoring, and then it turns into a defensive battle. Oh, I just suicided myself. You should have. <laughs> See, just so you don't if you what I just said. If you since you didn't even know who was playing, this shows you disinterest in the sport. Yes, I'm completely disinterested in the sport. I don't give a crap. I just want to see it because it's great television. That's all. All right. It's interesting to watch the technical aspects. They've always got something new. They roll out the new Grass Valley Group switcher or something like that. It's <laughs> the new Telestrator. I like it. It's fun to watch. What yeah, time suit it, yourself. What time does it start? 3.30, I believe. Oh, wow. That's late. Hmm. Well, well they want to get into prime time with it. Right. Okay. I'll have time to produce the show and get it up before then. then. All right. Uh, NoAgendashow.com for the show notes and donations, along with Dvorak.org slash NA and ChannelDvorak.com slash NA. Until Thursday, my name's Adam Curry. And uh, I'm his counterpoint here in northern Silicon Valley where the sun is shining, but we'll be inside instead watching football. I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Thursday, starting with the pre-stream right here on No Agenda.